Answering question number four on our Suns preview series, 13 questions that will define the Suns season with a special guest coming up right after this. Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns as a credentialed media member the past five seasons. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Make sure to give the show a follow at Locked On PHX Suns. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Brendan Clean14. We are answering another of our 13 questions, and joining us for the occasion is Max McCauley. Um, how have you been, man? It's been a long, long time since you were on the show, way before the video, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm really impressed by the uh, production value now. This, yeah. is, this is good stuff, Brendan. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to talk about the Suns. Uh, usually when we're talking about the uh, upcoming season, we've had some more time off. It's been, what, like, usually like five months? or, yeah. or now <laughs> Too long, yeah. We, we went pretty deep last year, Brendan. I'm excited to talk about this team uh, and what they can do this year. For sure. Me too. Um, it is weird having it be so quick. They've actually made it so quick on me that I'm not exactly in the frame of mind, like excited for basketball in the way that I'm used to being by the time we get it again. So um, I'm just kind of trying to like force myself to be like, I enjoy basketball, like a mantra I'm repeating to myself so that I'm not just <laughs> stressed, which is mostly yeah. the emotion that I'm feeling. But um, let me unveil the the question for today. I, I have not said it yet. It is part four here of this preview series, and actually it may be part five, so <laughs> we'll see. I'm, I'm planning on it being part four, but of course news breaks and trying to do these season preview things can be tough. But the question is, um, do the Suns need a third shot creator to step up, and if so, who will that be? And the reason that I framed it that way, and you and I were talking just a tiny bit about it when I asked you to come on, Max, is that I'm not exactly convinced that the way to frame it is that they do need one and it will be this guy versus that guy, which is another direction to go. So that's where I wanted to start with you is coming off of that finals run and, and the playoffs in general, we learned so much about the team and, and ahead of schedule in so many ways, but it gave us obviously a lot of information to to kind of pick through. So do you feel like that was one of the big flaws of this team that they did not have you know, three, four, five guys who could go out and create high-level offense? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. Um, I don't think so, necessarily. I mean, we do have to look back on this team and be like, hey, they did make the finals. You know, sure. all the injury stuff. Some fans have heard ad nausea. We don't need to go over that, those caveats. But they made the finals. So I think yeah. that, you know, they're not that far off. Um, the one reason why I think we may need a third scorer this year to step up is because I think it's fair to expect – you know, we don't know when or, or, or how, but Chris Paul will start to receive mm -hmm. at some point, right? I mean, he already has a little bit. He doesn't play as much as he did in his youth. Uh, I, I'm hopeful that he's going to be the same as Chris Paul we saw last year. I think he probably will be. I, but I do think, especially in the regular season, we're going to see less of him. Um, he played all but, I think, two games in the regular season last year, and one of them was the last game of the season. Uh, I, I don't see them doing that again this year. You know, I think campaign proved he can take the mantle as a starting point guard uh, for, for stretches. Obviously, in West Conference Finals, he was brilliant in the first two games of that series. So I think, yeah, I think, I think the answer is going to be, I don't know that they need somebody to be like, you know, awesome. Like, a, you know, become like a 20 points per game score, but I do think they're going to need more contributions from, from other guys uh, with Chris Paul possibly taking a little bit of a smaller role this year. 
Yeah, I'm I'm very curious if if Chris is willing to accept that and what that looks like. But even if it's not dramatic, like you said, despite his sort of public proclamations about not wanting to rest, like the guy has been dwindling his minutes for a while now. And, you know, there were many fourth quarters where he was going to be the one guy to sit, even if the other starters were out there. We've seen all sorts of different small ways. And I think those ways will will sort of uh, increase even if he's not resting all the time and, and skipping games. So that's that's accurate during the regular season and I think during the playoffs like you're saying there will be a a series and I, and it unfortunately tends to be fairly dramatic where we see you know the the not the bottom fall out but but a different sort of version of Chris happen and when you sign him long term you're you're inviting that for yourself a little bit so I do agree big picture that that's necessary it's kind of impossible with that all said to know if it will be this season per se, but I think that's obviously the reason we want to have this conversation. And it is such a young team that it's kind of fun to just go back and forth a little bit on like, which guy do we think that can be and and what will it ultimately look like? So before we dive into all of that, um, I have another sort of bigger picture, like in a vacuum type of question for you, which is if you were like, if I said you have Devin Booker, you have Chris Paul, and they're going to be basically, you know, maybe Book gets a little bit better than last year. Maybe Chris gets a little worse than last year. But if effectively, the versions we just saw in the playoffs are the guys that are locked in. But the rest of the roster is completely gone. Who? Hmm. What would a third offensive option with that tandem look like to you? Like if you could build it in a laboratory? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean... We're fortunate that it kind of looks a lot like either Aiton or Mikel, right? Um, a finisher, a play finisher, or a guy who defends and can be three and D wing, um, who just had a little bit more to that. So, you know, I think you'd like to see a guy like Mikel, but maybe just a little bit better offensively, a little closer to Middleton, um, sure. a little more of the, you know, we'll get into specifics on, on him and any of the other guys, but I think basically just a better offensive version of Mikel, which we'll talk about. And then Aiton, just, you know, somebody who finishes, maybe gets the line a little bit more, I think you want to see. But when you have two guys, like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you don't want somebody who needs the ball in their hands a lot because um, those guys are going to have the ball in their hands yeah. a lot, obviously. So you're not going to uh, – Brad Beal, while he'd be amazing, I don't know that necessarily that's what you're looking for. I mean, Clay Thompson would be amazing for those guys. A really low usage guy who could be efficient, I think, is what yeah. you're looking for. Yeah, that that's that, the last little bit nailed it to me. I think you would want somebody who, like Bridges, can take a ton of threes and make 40-plus percent of them um, but has a little bit more dynamic – ability to their game and the part of the reason that I ask and and I I do we can jump to the next segment here in a second because I I, we're already kind of getting to the specifics but part of the reason that I ask is because the obvious um at least coming out of those playoffs it felt like we were all just constantly talking about rim pressure and a guy like we I think in the NBA we tend to equate like shot creator with guy who can create layups and like obviously that's the best possible thing that a player could do but I just don't really think that that's exactly accurate to say that you need that on this team to get to the next level and so I think giving that comparison point is 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 good because it can show us that like yeah, a, a Bridges who does a little bit more stuff with the ball in his hands or a version of Aiton that, you know, gets to the free throw. Like, there are just these minor ways they can they can get there. And you look around the league, and it's rare that you have the, you know, three, basically three guys who can, like, run a pick and roll and create shots at all three levels. Like, that would be awesome, but it's it's not common, and teams win anyway. So um, that that's kind of setting the stage here for us. Obviously, um, 
it's not in a vacuum, and there are players already on this roster who we all want to see continue to develop. So uh, let's get into those guys and, and talk about who who can grow and how. Here in just one second, first though, a quick word from Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy experts over at Sleeper looked at fantasy basketball, realized it was basically broken. Guys were winning and losing their league or even just one week based on how many players' games were going to be played that week. You just plug in the guys who happen to be playing more, and of course you're going to accrue more stats. So what they did is they went ahead and revitalized fantasy basketball. They created the Game Pick League. Again, only available on Sleeper. And in game pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count toward their team's total score, which ensures an even number of games played between all opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more schedules game in that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work of setting your lineup and trying to keep track of all of that are also over. In game picks, you just pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, pace, defense, all of this stuff. Of course, that you are already keeping track of, but you pick the one game per week that you like the most for their matchup. That's the game that counts. It's basically fantasy football at that point. Structurally, you set the lineup, you forget about it, you let the points build up. And of course, if you're an expert, you win every single week. That's the goal, right? So whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Again, Sleeper has cracked the fantasy basketball code and... You got to check out Game Picks if you and your friends have dealt with this, which of course you have. Download the Sleeper app, start a league with your friends today, and enjoy. Today's show also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login just for the good stuff as well. Well, want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part is there's no annual contract, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, let's get into. Actually, Max, have you ever? Do you ever listen to the Dan Levitard show? Random question. I have listened to that before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're doing that same Directv ad, and yeah. Chris Whittingham is the producer over there, and he does the ad for them, and he's an announce like a broadcaster also, and I hate yeah. doing it because his voice is so much better than mine, and uh, it makes me it makes me very upset. I actually had more thoughts than the first one. That app sounds amazing for fantasy basketball. That actually sounds like it fixes it. Because fantasy football has always been so much superior to fantasy yeah. basketball. And I think that makes it fantasy football, basically. It's the same reason I never played fantasy baseball. But obviously, anyone listening to this show likes fantasy basketball much, much more. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's awesome. All right, let's get into the, the details of this actual roster. Because, again, we, we kind of talked big picture in the last segment. But we were talking about Mikhail. So let's start with him. Um, he obviously has been sort of the talk of training camp in some ways with Chris Paul shouting him out for being, you know, the guy that has impressed Chris the most uh, since they got back in the gym down in Arcadia. So what do you expect from Mikhail this year? Like we all, it, just because he came into the league so polished, it, it feels to me like we've been asking and expecting a lot of the same things of him for so long that quietly we've sort of in my opinion, in some ways, like undervalued the growth that he has made um, into an, a bonafide like elite shooter and elite defender. 
But offensively, we know he still has more room to grow. So what do you think reasonably like we can actually expect from this guy in uh, his fourth season? Yeah, and it's a really good question. And I think the playoffs were really interesting for him, right? Because yeah. he wasn't bad in the playoffs, but he did regress a little bit offensively. He took a statistical dip. His points went down. His efficiency went down a little bit. His efficiency was still very, very good. Um, but it wasn't as elite as it was in the regular season. I think he was at, like, what, 67% true shooting or something like that in the regular season last yeah. year, down to, like, 60 in the in the playoffs. Yeah, from three, um, he was, like, 43 during the regular season, 37 during the playoffs. So, yeah, noticeable. Yeah, just a little bit of a substantial drop. And, and listen, I mean, the playoffs are harder, and he had some hard matchups in the playoffs. He always has to guard the hardest, you know, uh, perimeter player on the other team. So there's some reason for that. Um, but he also showed a little bit of what makes his offensive game so promising. I mean, I think even late in the, in the, uh, in the um, finals, in game six, he was doing a little bit of the pull-up game. Um, he was far, uh, sprinkling that in here and there. And it's, it's such a dynamic weapon because he's obviously a, a complete and utter athletic freak with his arms in particular. Um, when he gets into the lane and pulls up, no one's blocking that shot. It's, it's all on him, whether it goes in or not. And, you know, and so I think the key is not necessarily that shot. It's getting to that shot, right? And it's, it's, so it's the handle and it's the strength. And those are the two things that he himself in training camp, as I've seen, has you know hammered on the most is what he's trying to improve, particularly the handle. Because if you're going to want to get him into the you know higher 20-point-per-game uh, levels, he's just going to have to score a little more getting to the hoop and getting to the mid-range and pulling up for that jumper. And, and to hear that he's working on that is really encouraging. So I hope to see more of that. That's, that's basically where my expectations lie is I want to see the same Mikel 3 and D with a little more of that uh, sprinkled in, hopefully a lot more of that if, if he's got it in him. Do you think it's more ability or confidence with him? I think it's, I think it's, uh, it's about 50, 50 to me. I think, I think confidence, he started early on in his career. It was definitely confidence. I mean, he couldn't even shoot when he first got to the NBA. He sure. totally regressed in that. In that. Sure. I think last season he started to show a lot more confidence. And like I mentioned just a bit ago in the finals, he was even doing it a little bit. So I think he has some confidence in it to me. I think at this point, it's more about his handle. It's his ability. And as he shores that up and you know, they, they, one and two go together, right. As he's better at handling his confidence will go up. Um, so I, and I expect that is the case. And it's nice to hear what Chris Paul is saying about him. I hope that we see, and Mikhail, who's more comfortable attacking. I think it the handle is is a great place to to zero in because there were a bunch of people on on NBA Twitter the other day talking about like attacking a closeout and, and dribbling. And I think Mike V Hill was was getting in on it a little bit. And like it was making me think of Mikhail. I don't know if Mike was thinking of Mikhail, but I think we underestimate the actual like technical ability to dribble the ball and and the like I even with Devin Booker there's there's times where you really see like the difference between an elite handle and a very good handle and a good like it's one of the skills in basketball obviously it's the most granular possible skill in basketball but it is in some ways I think overlooked just because it is so small but yeah, in order to get to the spots on the floor where he obviously has that comfort level he needs to be able to consistently maneuver through traffic it's not going to be the same every time it's i'd imagine as a basketball player it's a hard thing to necessarily practice i mean you can do the steph curry drill where you're tossing the balls and everything but like you have to what's it like when a guy's knee is is coming at you while you're trying to you know dribble past him and 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 into the spot that you want to shoot from like that stuff does matter and i think that is where the the skill development for him is going to be important because the last time we really saw him do that was you know, Villanova, where he's, you know, three years older than and, and you know, infinitely more talented than most of the guys that he's competing against. So um, do you, f- let me ask you before we transition to DeAndre, and then we'll, uh, we'll spitball on some of the other ways that these other guys might be able to chip in too. But do you feel like it's more likely that Mikhail becomes uh, a more consistent scoring option or that DeAndre does this season? 
Really good question. I think I would say just in terms of like a third score, I would say DeAndre probably is more likely because there's just it's just a lot of low-hanging fruit for him. He really just needs to attack. We'll get to him fully but in a second, but there's, there's a lot of things he can improve easily, I think. Mikel's, I think, is harder to become a wing scorer who can yeah. dribble and get into the lane and stuff like that. But I will say that if, if one of these guys is second in scoring and, like, closing in at Evan Booker, like, in the mid-20s or has a real explosion, I think it's more likely to be Mikel. I think the, the ceiling's higher on his scoring. It's just easier to score in bunches as a, as a perimeter guy unless you're somebody like Joel Embiid. Yeah, it, it is so fascinating because I think you're right about the degree of difficulty, especially just, you know, for Mikhail, you know, the obvious elephant in the room in, in, in some ways with him and that we've also been talking about forever is just the strength. And so yeah, to be a yeah. wing that looks like him and, and physically has the characteristics that he does is even harder. I mean, if you look like Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James, you know, I might be more willing to say it's a little easier for you, but he's not quite that that build. And he's not even Paul George, right, Who who is much... Yep has strength in his game and always has to a much higher degree than Mikhail has too. So it is an interesting comparison point. There's not a lot of guys that you can point to in the NBA that look like Mikhail that really get to that high, high level. Whereas DeAndre, who, who we can move to, um, of course, looks the part and, and has the skill set and, and has more demonstrable uh, history of doing it in the past, getting you know, offensive rebounds at the very least, and he's starting to be able to handle the ball in the post and in some of these, you know, 10 feet and in areas a little bit more. But I would almost, is it is it ridiculous to say that the the rate of growth for Aiton has been slower than it's been for Mikhail? I don't know if that's fair, but that's what it feels like. It's harder to point to one thing that DeAndre's done as a shot creator and, and say, there, he did it. Whereas Mikhail, like we're just, we went through two or three of them just now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, Aiden for a long time was kind of stagnant, right? Yeah. I think what really the jump happened was the playoffs. I mean, from the regular season to playoff game one and they're on it, it's just a whole different player. Um, I think it's one of the most fascinating stuff of the season, honestly, is what is playoff Aiden coming back? Or are we getting regular season Aiden? Sure. Like what, what Aiden are we going to see in game one? Um, but yeah, so I think the thing about Aiden, and I mean, again, the handle is very important. As you mentioned, he started to use it in the post a little more and started to drive in, I, I think. Game two against the Lakers, I think he had a really nice drive past uh, Drummond where he finished the reverse. From almost to, like the three-point line. Yeah, that was Yeah, I think that yeah, basically awesome. that, that was amazing. I, yeah. I remember just like uh, jumping out of my seat. Like, I didn't know he had that in him. Yeah. Um, he had the dunk on MPJ uh, in, in game one of the Nuggets series. Like, he showed a little bit of that. And I think it's really important that he just gets more aggressive, whether he's driving to the three-point line or not. Like, I mean, that's amazing. I hope he keeps doing that. But, you know, he should be able to catch that at the elbow and, and take it in. That, that should mm-hmm. be something he should be comfortable with. And it would also improve probably his biggest flaw as an offensive player and the biggest thing keeping him from 20 points a game, which is his free throw attempts. He's just not getting to the line enough. If you, if you want to score a lot as a big man, you must get to the line. And he has not improved that. I think his rookie year, he had the highest free throw attempts he's had as, as, a, as a pro. So he needs to get to the line more to score more. And again, I think that starts with aggression. Is there somebody you like point to in the NBA who you feel like is the template for Aiton at this point? Because we've all done a lot of different comparisons, but he has had such a, an explosive growth recently, but also has the inconsistency in his history. Like, is there a player that you think of who who he should be looking at or that we can look at as as fans and just think about it? Like, yeah, what's the really what, good what question? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so you, you would love to say, like, oh, just go be Joel Embiid, but, you know, there's one Joel Embiid. He's not that big, and he's just not – Joel Embiid's a freakish uh, talent that's that's very rare, I think, as a scorer. Um, I would maybe look at Bam Adebayo as somebody who really developed himself in the NBA. He was not drafted to be what he is now. Um, I think that's a player I'd, I'd look at because he Bam got a lot more aggression in his game. 
He's a much better score all around than Aiton is right now. Aiton's a better finisher, um, but Bam's a better score. And I think that's somebody I'd look at to expand the game. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's difficult. And Zach Lowe talks about this all the time. Like, DeAndre Aiton's such a hard player to project because there's so many different things that he does, but he's not elite in any of them. And it's like, which one of these things are you going to grab onto and, and make that your thing? And Aiton yeah. just hasn't done that yet. And it'd be interesting to see if this year is the year where he tries to, to work on that. Because, like you're saying, I'm not even sure what that would be. I don't know either. I mean, I, I've kind of settled into the idea that he's just all of it and he's going to be like yeah. a, a B at everything. And obviously there's some areas where he is better than a B. I mean, he, his rebounding and, and his rim protection, I think, are the obvious ones where he's in the A range pretty firmly. And, and that's useful in its own way. But for a team that has this aging point guard and, and not a lot of, you know, juice off the bounce from many of its other players, like it is so glaring and that's not, I think like the, the thing to point out with Aiton that's important here too, that I think some of his like most fervent defenders try to get at is like some of the criticism and stuff because of the context around him, it truly is not his fault um, in, in some ways, right? Like could, you know, independent of the team context, he should be getting better and you'd hope to continue to see that and the consistency to be there. But at the same time, if he was in a situation like some of these other big men we're talking about, it wouldn't be so dire. I mean, like Bam Adebayo's job, for instance, on offense, or the the amount that fan fans of the Heat are going to want out of him is significantly less than what um, than what the Suns fans will want out of Aiton, at least as a scorer. Bam does a lot as a passer, a little bit of a different player, but that is such a fascinating part of this, and it makes more pressure on him that he has to live up to, and it, it sort of just is what it is, but worth noting there, because I, I do, I am sort of like, I get that point, but I, it also, it's like, well, you know, the, these are the breaks for, for young DeAndre. It's, it's kind yeah, of... Being the number one pick just carries that kind of thing, yeah. right? You're going to be held to a different standard always through your whole career. Yeah, exactly. So let's, uh, let's transition. I have one more sort of other angle into this, and then we can also talk about guys like Cam Johnson and others who uh, we haven't talked about yet on the Suns roster. First, though, quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. My favorite protein bar and Bilt Bar likes to say the healthiest candy bar ever. It's not hard to see why. I just got shipped another specialty box that is going to be coming your way soon. I believe it's cookie dough puffs or something like that. They always love the cookie dough, uh, basically special pop-up boxes uh, here and there. And that one you can look forward to. They all taste like candy. I mean, that is what it is. They are delicious They are all wrapped in 100% chocolate, making them soft and easy to chew. No more than 180 calories, no more than 5 grams of sugar, and packed with 17 to 18 grams of protein in every single bar, which is nice too, because sometimes you find a company where you're like, oh, I like this flavor, but that one happens to have more sugar and less protein, and you're kind of screwed. They're all the same in the case of Built Bar, and you can take your pick and not have to worry about any of that. So, Go to built.com, use the promo code locked on to get 15% off your next order. Not first order, next order. If you've bought it before, you can do it again. Again, that's the promo code locked15 at checkout for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's close out part four of our 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season preview series here with Max McCauley and. The point that I said coming into that break that I still had yet to make was a little bit a little bit big picture again, but but bear with me here. So last season in the regular season, Booker and Paul combined for a basically 56%, 55.5% usage rate and a 61% assist rate. Um we know the the versions of scoring that those guys have. 
But to circle back to what I said at the beginning, I don't feel like recent NBA history or just the way that teams are winning right now even backs that up, that there needs to be three guys on a team who can consistently create great shots. I feel like in some ways, if Chris Paul and Devin Booker scored in a different way, we wouldn't have been having that conversation. And again, it circles back to some of the ty- the, the types of scoring that, that Suns fans were pleading for during the playoffs, which was, you know, more consistent pressure on the rim, you know, better manipulation of the defense, less predictability, some of these things. And I, 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 it's very easy bait to like criticize the best players on the team. So of course, like you said at the top, like they made it to the finals. So there is only so much nit to pick there. But I wonder if Devin Booker steps into a new season and is able to diversify his scoring a little bit, or if Chris Paul has more energy to, to get to some of the areas on the floor that are going to be more pressurizing for the defense this season if we don't even necessarily need to see the huge leaps we're talking about from some of the role players is that possible to you yeah no it's absolutely possible I think it's a great point too Uh, last season I'm sure you I know you remember I'm sure all the listeners most of them would remember that the Booker struggled a lot to start the season and I think a large part of that was learning how to play with Chris Paul and I really credit Devin Booker with with being extremely deferential I think he was like all right this is Chris's team now I'm going to figure out how to work within Chris's system and make, make this team work. I think that's how the, the season started. And it wasn't until like that Philly game where they both started to play really well together. Um, I think this season we might see a very different uh, story with those two. Uh, one of the things I'm most excited about uh, going into the season is just what is Devin Booker going to be like with this newfound confidence of, I mean, he scored 40 points in back-to-back finals games. Uh, he's going to have some fun in the regular season this year, I think. That's going to be a different level of bravado, I think. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, the like kind of like you're alluding to here, the third score we get here is just Devin Booker scoring 30 points a game instead of 25, 26, where he's yeah. been. Um, he's ha- Obviously, he has it in him. There's no doubt about it. Really, what it's going to come from with him is the three-point shooting. It's just got to get better. And the pull-up three-point shooting especially, um, that's the, maybe the, the most important weapon that perimeter players in the modern NBA have. And he he kind of has it. It's not really. He, he's not very good at it. That Showing that up would be, would be absolutely huge and could really launch him to the next level of score. Yeah, like what I was saying there about, you know, recent NBA history and and things like that is like, if you really think about it, the champions of late, they didn't win because they had three guys who could all break down a defense. They had really mostly Mm -hmm. it's because they had one guy who could do it at like an A++ level, a, a top 10 talent, a guy who can at every single moment of a playoff game go down and get you a bucket. It's not because they had a Mikhail Bridges who happened to be able to take, you know, a little bit more mid-range than he had the previous season. Like, I get why that stuff's important, and I'm not, you know, erasing the conversation we just had, but, like, the Raptors didn't win in 2019 because Pascal Siakam, like, looked pretty good as a third option. They won because Kawhi Leonard was a god for two months. You know what I mean? So, like, you look, and, and, like, the, the rim frequency for guys like KD, guys like... Kawhi Leonard, again, different physically than, than than Booker, and that presents its own challenges. But, you know, you could go back further to Kobe, and I, I get the league is a little different than it was. Or There are way more examples of players who have a shot profile like Devin Booker who have been able to succeed um, because they can read the game and, and they basically don't have a weakness than there are teams who, you know, like the Pistons in 04 or something who kind of won it because everybody could do a little bit of everything. So 
I personally feel like I, we've all had the debates over Aiton and Bridges and, and Cam Johnson and everything else ad nauseum since the season ended because it's so clear that that's something that, that could happen because of how young those guys are. But I personally, like you just said, feel like the main way for this team to get to that next level is for Devin Booker to just become like undeniably awesome and truly like a Hall of Fame level talent on the offensive end. I think there's no doubt you're correct about that. I mean, you went through NBA history. It totally bears that out. You know, almost always the champion has a top five player on the, on the, on the team. Almost always. And the top five player is the focal point offensively. That's how it's always been. That's Jordan. That's Magic. That's Larry Bird. That's just how this league works. Um, we got really close last year without it. Obviously, last year, I mean, I think even some fans would admit, maybe not the strongest year of all time due to certain conditions. So I agree. I, I don't think the Suns can expect Devin Booker to be the same player and to get to the same spot. I think he's going to be better. And I think he showed in the – I think one of the most encouraging things about last season was that Devin Booker was much better in the playoffs than he was in the regular season, in my opinion. And he had certain games where he was, uh, you know, like uh, game six against the Lakers, game one against the Clippers, uh, back-to-back finals games I'd mentioned before. Like, there were certain games where he was like, okay, well, yeah, that's that's the kind of guy you need to win a title. And we just need to see that more consistently out of him. And, you know, he gets better every single year, so I have really high hopes for him. Whether he gets to that top five level, it's I mean, obviously it's really hard to get there. There's only five of those guys. It's unlikely, but I think he showed us that there is a possibility of that. And I totally agree with you. If we're going to win a title with this team, that's the most likely way. Yeah. So you said it's it like the three, the pull up three point shooting, and that one was clear. And I was really impressed. Game six against the Lakers being like the most obvious example of that. That he was comfortable and and gunning from there. And I like personally to me, it, it there were a lot of times where it felt like he he didn't even necessarily want to be taking that particular shot, but it was almost better to see him do that. Like you can see the processing happening and still see him take the shot because like the reality of, of some of that stuff is just to make the defense respected. And like clearly, yeah, you'd love to have a Damian Lillard level pull up three point shooter where it's not just uh, a, a prop in your offense and you're actually making them. But there is something to be said for the volume being its own significant part. So like at the end of the day, his three-point rate versus total play, total shots in the playoffs was literally basically identical to the regular season. But we, who obviously anyone who watched it would know that it, it, it the defense treated him differently when he was taking those shots. So that's obvious. I mean, that's been something, again, we've been talking about with him for quite a while, and the three-point accuracy overall is, is going to be important. But what else can he do, do you think, to fill out his game? Is it just that, or are there other things that you feel like are, are sort of the fruit that's hanging for him to to take hold of. Yeah, just keep getting better as a playmaker, I think. I think he's made great strides in that area, but I think he's got even more room to improve. The turnovers uh, could come down, I think. Um, uh, one thing, though, I don't, I don't want to get lost in this because I, I, I we can talk a lot about how he can improve, but I want to focus on, particularly, I'll draw the listeners' minds to that game four in the final third quarter, yep. that seven for seven that he had. I don't think there's any other player in the NBA who does that in that way. Um, the shot making, sure. yeah, that, that that difficulty there. That was that was. I mean, you want to talk about Kobe Jordan? That's what those guys did. And so, just the fact that he has that in his bag gives him the potential to get to where we're talking about mm-hmm. with him. Um, Three point shooting would just make him even more electric. And yeah, I mean, I it was a good question. What else can he improve? I mean, again, I think he's a really good offensive player at this mm-hmm. point. I think he's like, when he. I mean, in the regular season, he's not the best regular season player of all time because he's not as efficient because he doesn't shoot the threes. But in the playoffs, there's, I mean, how many guys would you take over him offensively if you have one guy to win a game? There's not a ton at this point. Yeah. There really isn't. I guess the way I would put it is 
the, that last step that we're talking about, and I think it's why you're, we're both kind of struggling to put it into words, is that it is harder to see. It, you, I think you just yeah. feel it and sense it more than you can like point to numbers and, and chart it out, right? Like it's, and I think the, the turnovers and assist rate, that's, that's one way that it manifests, but it's like the guys like that, you know, Kobe, Jordan, whoever you want to put in sort of that, that smaller wing, two guard type of mold who have led great teams it's it's just the control that they exude over every yes. moment of the game, right? It's like they know the right decision. They know whether to shoot or whether to pass. They know, you know, whether they're feeling it or not, where they're feeling it from. It's just that that preternatural. They know sort they of, know not to pick up their fifth, sixth, seventh fouls. Yeah, they know <laughs> not to. They know not to do that, right? And like, I think that's to me where the the interplay, and I, it's something I've talked about a ton already. Of like. The interplay between Chris and Devin getting even better this this season, that's to me why that is so important is because it's it's going to be in service of Book's comfort level and confidence and control to be able to, I think Chris trusts him completely, but it's like, how do both of them get to be at their best? And I don't think we saw that last year. So as great as they were. And that's why I think you have to be, you know, optimistic heading into this season and why I think like maybe people who watched the Suns a ton last year and didn't necessarily buy into like the holy crap, Chris Paul just put the, took the top off this team and it was a once in a lifetime thing might feel a little bit more optimistic than like Vegas over unders or something is because I do think yeah. there is that next level to be had. So um, is there anyone else though, who we haven't, uh, we talked about sort of the big three candidates here is there anyone else who you feel optimistic? Maybe he doesn't become like the third best offensive player on the team right away, but diversifies this offense a little bit, gives it a little bit more juice. Somebody we haven't uh, chatted about yet. Yeah, when we when we when you mentioned the subject to me, there are only three guys really popped into my mind. Obviously, we talked about Mikel and Aiden already, but I think that the clear third is uh, Cam Johnson. Uh, he was the most efficient player in the playoffs for the Suns. He was like I think he was like sixty nine percent true shooting, just sizzling. Um, shot the ball extremely well, I think forty four percent from three. Um, we've all seen those latent, uh, latent hidden athletic uh, dominance traits that he has, like the dunk in the finals being the best example. Ridiculous. I, I think I don't ever see him. I mean, he's already older, right? He's already 25. I think he's older than Booker. Yep. Um, so you don't, you don't see him turning into a star, really. It's hard to see that. But if he eventually out, you know, plays his way into the starting lineup, places Jay Crowder, I mean, you could see him get into the mid-teens pretty easily as a scorer. He's a really – I mean, you can't teach the shooting that he has. He's a, he's a natural shooter. Uh, I think he's the best shooter on the team. We'll see. Maybe him and Shaman will, will duel for that this season. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if he gets a little bit more of the pull-up game the way Mikel does, he has less of that than Mikel does right now. Um, if he can add a little bit of the pull-up to himself, you know, improve the handle. A lot of you guys need to improve their handles. Um, I think that's where we could see some growth from him, and he could really become, again, I, like you said, I don't think he's going to be a 20-point scorer, but in the teens uh, for him. Yeah, he was one of the only guys you go through on the roster, and it's rare to happen at all, I mean, um, in, in general in the NBA, because playoff defenses are, are so much better than regular season defenses, but his rim, his rim frequency actually went up um, from the regular mm-hmm. season to the playoffs from 17% of his shots to 24% of his shots. So pretty substantial there. He was in the hundredth percentile for effective field goal percentage. Like he was just sick. Most of the playoffs, mm-hmm. especially in the conference finals and finals in terms of two way play confidence, you know, going out there and, and, you know, getting shots when they were there and everything else. I think confidence is in no, no short supply for him. And I think that, mm-hmm. Like the the playoffs, everything showed us and showed I would think him um, the value of what he does, and I think Monty yeah. was so smart to be talking him up at every single turn last year, is because I think Monty sees that as well. And we were talking about physical, you know, limitations or 
abilities based on body and everything else. Cam Cam is like a, a picture perfect. I mean, like he's he as explosive or quick as some guys know, but he's strong, he's big, he's tall, like he he can power through people and and have that to his game that a Mikhail Bridges can't, right? So I like the yeah. balance there and I do think he doesn't hurt that he's uh he's obviously gunning for an extension himself, a nice big one. So I, I think I think he'll have a really big year. We're I think I have another question later on about if he'll uh overtake Jay Crowder as a Suns fifth starter mm-hmm. to tease that a little bit because I, I do think that's an under <laughs> under the radar. It's not even under the radar at this point, but it could happen very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. You got any last thoughts here on on sort of the offense and and what we can expect and what needs to happen? You know, I'll, I'll just throw out one thing that I'm really excited to see because I haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. I can't wait to watch Campaign and Landon Shaman together in the backup unit. I think they complement each other perfectly, yeah. uh, and then throw Cam in there too and camp with those two guys. I think they're just going to be so much fun to watch. Suns are going to be. We're going to be one of the teams that one of these fans who actually gets more excited when the backup unit comes the in. The bench is going to be ridiculous. I mean, JaVale yeah. McGee, like he's a starter, like, yeah. and it's, yeah, it, they're going to, they're just going to destroy teams. It's part of the reason I don't get the regular season, um, like pessimism, not among fans, but like national yeah. media and stuff. It's like, find me a hole in this team from a regular season standpoint. And yeah, the bench, those two guards, it's, it's right where it starts. Yeah, the over-under only being 51 and a half when we won 51 last year in a shortened season makes very little sense to me. Yeah. Uh, if you have not heard me yelling at you already, listeners, about the ridiculousness of that line, please put money on it because you will enjoy the season even more because I can almost guarantee you that they are going to hit the over on that. I, if, if they don't, I'll be shocked and pretty disappointed in them. So, um, There'll probably be injuries, but you know, not going to win. Yeah, sure. And it's like, in that case, it's, it's anyone's guess, but... Um, yeah, they should they should be a monster. I'm excited about Shaman. I don't necessarily know if he solves the problems we're talking about. I don't think you're saying that either. Um, but he he is, I think, going to have a real role here. And Payne, Payne could be the last guy we talk about. I think it's a little more clear what the limitations are for him. And I'm a little less optimistic he really becomes a wholly different player because of his age. So um, I don't know if, if he's really on my list. But of course, I think he'll continue to improve, you know, maybe just a little bit smaller leaps. Um, all right, that'll close us out, though. Part four of our Suns preview series. I'm going to kind of continue to weave like this one will go up Monday, Tuesday. I'm obviously going to have some preseason thoughts. So I don't want it to be like, I'm just putting these out for you guys and like kind of forgetting about the news or the updates and everything else. It'll just be, you know, a little bit of each. So appreciate you guys would love the feedback on the questions. I'm not going to bail on it now. So, you know, I guess I, um, I don't know. There's a limit to the feedback that I will take cause I'm halfway through now, but I would love to hear what you guys are thinking. And, uh, and if there's more that, that you guys have, I'd be happy to replace some of my lousy ideas with your guys's. So enjoy your Monday, folks. Enjoy the preseason game. And I will talk to you right afterward.